continue on in our study of Luke, and today we're going to be turning to chapter 6. Now, we're not wrapping up chapter 6 yet, but today we're going through another section of Jesus and kind of his Sermon on the Mount from Matthew and this Sermon on the Plains in Luke, whatever you want to call it. And so Luke chapter 6, verse 27 is where we're going to be starting today. And he says this, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And as just uh, sorry, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners uh, to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil." Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just ask that today your words would speak to us and that we would be changed and renewed and transformed into a better image of Jesus Christ so that we can be better ambassadors for you here on this earth. We ask that you would transform us and change us into the image that you want us to be, that we might better follow you and that we would lead others to you. We thank you and we love you and we praise your name. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to be dealing with the idea of loving our enemies. And most of us know or have heard of or even teach the golden rule to our children or to others, or even we may say it to ourselves. And, and we, we teach our children to only say nice things. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And we, tr- we teach them to treat the way that they, people the way that they would like to be treated as well. And these, these are good and even biblical um, practices that we teach to our, our children from very young ages. Um, the thing that we often forget, because we, we turn it into the mantra of the golden rule, the thing that we can often forget is how all-encompassing and complete these, this, this practice actually is in our lives and how really it should be changing the way that we act even on a daily basis. And so today we're going to kind of examine that a little bit more and look at this section of scripture that Jesus deals with some very um, commonly known uh, sayings, but oftentimes we let them kind of sit on the roadside a little bit. And so these are easy words, but hard actions to actually take and and apply to our daily lives. So in verse 27 uh, through 31, we see Jesus continuing his sermon like we talked about. Let's Let's just read that again so that we kind of have an idea idea in our head of this first section. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also, and to him from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Uh, give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. 
And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. This is the idea. This is that, uh, this is that golden rule right there. And so we see him continuing on his sermon, and he's going into how people act towards each other, um, how we are to uh, interact towards God even. And, and so Jesus is talking here, and it, and it seems to be on repeat often when we talk about what Jesus is saying to people and the, the different things that he's teaching, is that he is teaching something that's extremely countercultural. Countercultural for them, for sure, but also even countercultural for us in the day that we live. The things that Jesus is saying go against what we would naturally do or what the world would naturally do. And so Jesus often talks about these things opposite of what we would naturally react to. In the world, we're taught that we should cut out any negative that we have in our lives, negative people, negative things, negative, uh, well, just in general, anything negative, we try and cut that off. In the world, we're taught, run away from those kinds of things and don't let them interfere. But here, and, and I'm not even saying that those, like, Toxic people and toxic things actually do exist and, and not always do we need to try and integrate them into our lives. But here we do see Jesus, he's telling us to, act, to, to not only love our enemies, love the people who hate us, but act, to actually proactively, meaning going out of our way to do this, bless them. We are, we are to not just, or not only not cut them out of our lives necessarily, but we're actually to bless them. And so the question then becomes, what, what does being loving towards others mean in general? And then also, what does it mean to bless people? And so these are, these are two questions that we need to ask because oftentimes love and blessing and things like that are different def- defined in our, differently defined in our modern language. And then also, when we answer those questions, that leads to another question that, that why? Why is it important that we look this certain way? Why is it important that we act this way and that we act differently than, than our flesh, than the culture, than the world, than our family, than our, than our friends? We are to act differently than all of those things tell us to naturally do. And it goes against our feelings and emotions and even sometimes our, our smarts or what we would consider to be our smarts. And so we want to look at that first question. The, the, the idea of what does it mean to, to be loving towards others and what does it mean to bless others. Um, and so without that understanding, we just kind of float off into nebulous ideas. We often uh, relate the idea of love to romantic affection. I love you, even if it's I love you bro or whatever, there's, there's this idea of a, a, an affection for that person that, uh, that's deeper than just, say, some coworker or someone on the street. That is not exactly the love that Jesus is using here. There's aspects of it that are true in that, and there are aspects, and, and these are certainly good things and a good way to define love, but it's not really what Jesus is saying here. What he's speaking of here, the love he's using here, is, is one less of human affection, towards one another, and more of a conscious action of the will to desire the best for someone. And, and, and it's this idea that I hope the best for you. The idea, it's, it's not faked. It's not a grin and bear it kind of attitude. This is a genuine, I want to see the best life that you possibly can have. And I am not only wanting to see that in you, but I am rooting for it 
in you and for you. It's this idea of I love you means, <coughs> excuse me, it means that I, I want to see you succeed. I want to see you do the best you possibly can do in this life. And so we need to get away from this idea of, of romantic involvement and also stay away from the idea of uh, fake it till you make it. You know, the idea of trying to put on a, a nice face for someone, but really we hate them in our hearts, but we, we, with our mouths we bless them, as James talks about. Uh, and so this is interesting because it's, it's so different from what we expect. It's so different from what we act sometimes because we don't actively hope the best for others. We, we oftentimes, like I said, in our hearts we will think one thing and with our mouths we'll say another. And this is the kind of, the, the love that Jesus is talking about here is the kind of love that's talked about often in scriptures that prefers others over self. And, and to exemplify that, we want to turn to Romans chapter 12. So turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read, start reading in verse 10 of Romans chapter 12 to kind of understand what this uh, preferable love is, where we prefer others before ourselves. He says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for, your, for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you, shall, you will reap, heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This idea of self-sacrificing love, we are preferring them above ourselves. We are not repaying evil with evil. We're not getting back at people. We're not trying to one-up them. We're trying to encourage them through loving them as a brother or <clears throat> excuse me, as Jesus would. We know that the best thing that these people have, whether they be Christian or non-believers, the best thing that life can possibly offer is the saving grace that comes through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. He redeems us from our sins. And so that is the best life that we can possibly live is life in and through and around and with Jesus Christ as our guide. So in loving our enemy, we are trying to reach them for Jesus by being countercultural. We we do things that are opposite of what the culture expects, of what people expect of us. And and Jesus even takes it two steps for, further back in Luke. Uh, and, and he tells us to not only love and bless them, but maybe he takes it 10 steps further for some of us. And he says to pray for those who spitefully use us. This idea of praying for people. We have examples in the Old Testament of David in the Psalms and Solomon even writing to God and praying to God and get them. <laughs> like like uh, uh, 
you know, break my enemies and things like that and, and really uh, judge them and come down on them. And, and we see them praying for their enemies, but it's a very different kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about praying for them that they might not only come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but that they also will, like I said, succeed and live the best life that's possible for them to live. We see this example set by Jesus himself in our best example while he is on the cross and praying to the Father saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we also see that in other examples throughout Scripture as well. I, I think of Stephen in chapter 7 of Acts looking up to the heavens as the, as the Jews and the Pharisees are stoning him to death for giving the gospel. And he looks up to heaven and says essentially the same thing. Don't hold this against them, Lord. Like, don't hold this sin against them, of them killing me. And it's that idea of even in the moment of being spitefully used, I think that we can all agree that someone murdering you is being spitefully used. But even in that moment, we see Jesus and Stephen in these two examples praying to God that, that he wouldn't remember this sin, that, that Lord, he, that you would forgive them for this. And that's, that's the kind of love for others that, again, it's not necessarily a romantic or even affectionate love. And again, I am not suggesting that Stephen was sitting there being stoned by these people and, and wanting to have um, an affectionate relationship with them where, where we call each other brothers and, and I'm wanting to love you even though you're killing me. Love doesn't necessarily translate to like in this context. It's definitely just, a, I want the best. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to be punished. I don't want you to have that experience. And so this is that love and that prayer that Jesus is talking to us about here. And it's so strange to think that, that we are to go out of our way to love, bless, and pray for our enemies. It's so strange that many of us just, we try to avoid people who hate us. We try and, like I said, cut them out of our lives. Or often, if, if you're like me, you, you try and make everybody love you. You try and make everybody just be okay with you and try not to ruffle any feathers um, other than, you know, truths and things like that that we find in Scripture. But I don't want to be anybody's enemy. I want everybody to love me. We try to be people pleasers where, where we, we just kind of navigate through life without having many struggles or many trials or many enemies at all. And, and this is important that we understand that we have to navigate out of this pitfall so that we can show them the true love that Jesus is talking about. Because avoiding that true love because it's hard is not what we're told to do. We are told to love our enemies. Well, that means we're going to have enemies. And it also means that when we do have those enemies, we are to love them, not avoid them. And so to navigate out of this pitfall here, we, we have to start answering the second question that we talked about, which is why? Why do I need to love these people and not just avoid them? Why do I have to go out of my way and change the way I'm thinking and the way I'm loving and the way I'm acting and the way I'm talking? Why do I have to change those things when it's so easy to, to find the people that agree with me and have our camp and the people who disagree with us and are, and are our enemies, they can have their camp over there. Why do we need to go out of our way to show that we care about how these people's lives end up. And so we need to, we need to ask that question of why are we trying? And, <coughs> excuse me, there are times that loving our enemies 
is easier than loving some of the people who are uh, close to us because we all have these flashing moments of doing good things or, or going out of our way. We, we woke up on the right side of the bed today and so, you know what, I'm gonna go up to that person who hates my guts and I'm just gonna love on them. We have these flashes of these moments of practicing what Jesus is teaching here, but we still have to wrestle with the question of why we even try to do that, even in those moments of, well, what made it different today than, than tomorrow or yesterday? And Jesus is gracious to us, and he gives us the answer here in verses 37 through 35. Read with me. It says this, uh, of Luke chapter 6. He says this, 32 through 35. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. See, he's saying, saying here, if you're in your camp and you have your team and they have their team and you're willing to love these people that are in your camp because they think like you, because they act like you, because they look like you, because they treat you well, well, there's no, there's no reward in that. And he says this, but, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward, get this, this is, this is the why, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. There is no reward in lending money or lending tools or lending whatever time to, 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 and expect to receive back. I, I mean, we can all go to the bank today and go get a loan for the money that we need and then the bank is expecting us to pay that back. There's no love in that relationship. They just, they've given us money. We are paying them back in it. And so there's no reward in expecting that back. It's, it's expected even uh, for the world to, to treat each other like this. Uh, sinners and, and saints alike, we, we don't have any kind of reward when we love the people who love us back. There's, it's easy to love those people who, who love us back. And so <coughs> we are to love not expecting anything in return. We are to bless not expecting anything in return. And our reward will be great for acting in this self-sacrificing way. Turn to Galatians chapter 6, if you would. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6, says this, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith." We are not to grow weary in doing good. We, are to, we, we earn our reward our reward that we earn through loving others, the way that Jesus is talking about here in Luke chapter 6, the reward that we earn is that everlasting life. Now, I'm not, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying that it's a salvific work. Loving others the way Jesus loved us or treating others the way you want to be treated or whatever you want to say, that is not a salvific work. That will not save you from eternity in hell. It does not forgive sins. It doesn't have the power to forgive sins. And so loving others, while it is a good practice and while it is a fruit 
I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so while it is the fruit of the Spirit, we, we do not expect that to save us. It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone on the cross, shedding his blood, paying for our sins, our repentance of those sins, and our commitment to following him, to pick up our, our cross daily and follow him. That is what saves. Now, an, an, a subset of that is that we then love others. And so it's natural behavior for unsaved people to love those who love them. We talked about that, but it is not particularly special. We are called to a different type of life and love than this world when we follow Jesus Christ. Turn again to Romans chapter 12. I know that we were just there. Turn again to Romans chapter 12 and and read with me the first two verses in Romans uh, 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are called to act like and be the sons of the Most High God, as we see in verse 35 of, cha- of chapter 6 in Luke. We, we are to be transformed. We are to look different than the world. We aren't to act the same as the world. We're not to partake in the same kinds of things that the world does. We aren't to enjoy the things that the world enjoys. And we are dangerously close to... Uh, not obeying Jesus Christ when we act like the world. Now, when we act like Jesus and we love the world, that looks strange. That looks different. That looks weird. And why are you acting like that? Well, it's because Jesus tells us to look different. It's because Jesus tells us to love different for a couple of different reasons. One for ourselves, but also for you, for the world, for you outside of the faith to understand that there's something different here and we work different and we operate differently than the world expects us to operate. And so we see here in Galatians, we see in Romans, the idea that we are to be transformed so that we can sow that everlasting life that Jesus talks about here. And, and, and then we don't want to skip over this because there's, there's a few things that we want to talk about here. And that is this idea of God being kind to the unthankful and evil. You see, God is kind to the unthankful and evil, as it says here in Luke chapter 6, for a few reasons. He blesses them with all sorts of gifts. He blesses them with money. He blesses them with air. He blesses them with healthy lives, happy wives, whatever it may be. He, he blesses people with that idea of, of what, what the world thinks is maybe success. So meaning, meaning things like money, um, health, uh, good health, um, vacations on the Riviera of France, whatever, whatever. He blesses people with that sinner and saint alike. And there are a couple of reasons for this that we want to address here really quickly, because it does actually interact with why and how we are to love our enemies. So first off, he does this, and, and it, Jesus explains it here, that God makes his sun rise on, on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He says this in Matthew 5, 45, which is, again, the parallel to this uh, Luke chapter 6 that we're talking about here. Basically, the same, the same passage just added that little bit in Matthew. Um, 
And then, so that's the first reason is God shows no partiality to sinners or saints. It's, it's, and by saints, I just mean people who are um, following Jesus Christ, saved, those of us who are saved. Um, so don't get hung up on that word. Uh, but <clears throat> he shows no partiality to those. Um, uh, Christians can have good, happy, healthy lives. Sinners can have good, happy, healthy lives. There's no, there's no real difference in that. Um, because he, he makes it rain on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, secondly, for the non-believer, uh, it's important to note that this, is, this world is as good as it's going to get. This is as close to heaven as these people will ever be. Because their, their judgment day is coming. They, they will be punished for the sins that they've committed. Even the best sinner, meaning the, the nicest guy in the world who who is philanthropic and he donates a ton of money and he works with underprivileged youth and he, he, has, he just, he's the best guy in the world. If he is not saved underneath the blood and the, and the, the work of Jesus Christ, well then he has nothing to hold a candle to with, with God the Father when that judgment day comes and he will perish in punishment for not looking to the Son. And so... For, for the non-believer, this is as good as it's going to get. And I believe, personally, this is, this is me speaking, what I see in Scripture, is that God is merciful to these people, the people who will be punished someday. He's merciful to them, some of them, and, and allows for there to be um, a, a better life so that <laughs> when they go to the judgment seat, that day is coming for them. And they, they, don't, they don't escape that. Nobody escapes that. I don't, you don't, they don't, no one escapes that day. And so I think that God is just showing mercy to people um, by giving them certain things. And, and we can get into the idea of the problem of evil and why do, why do bad things happen to good people uh, some other time because it's a bigger topic than what we have time for today. And then, so, so you have this idea that the, the, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. Um, you have the idea of the God being merciful to the non-believer and allowing them to have gifts in this life um, because he is good, um, because he is kind, I should say. And then also, and I think this is the most important thing, is, is God uses his blessings to encourage non-believers and uses his trials that his children, Christians, go through to show the non-believer a better way. And let me explain this a little bit. We are sometimes as Christians, I go through trials. I go through temptations. I go through hard times. It happens. And my reaction to those hard times can speak volumes to those people around me who are seeing me go through those hard times where unbelievers, non-believers can look at me and say, what is different about his reaction to this? Again, like thinking about Job, he lost everything. Why did he not curse God and die as his wife <laughs> encouraged him at one point to do? And so there's that, that image of seeing how we react to these situations because we have such a hope in Jesus Christ and his salvation and his forgiveness that even the worst things that happen to us here on this earth are still overshadowed by the fact that we are saved and we are loved and we are blessed by God the Father through God the Son. And so there's that. But then also the blessings can act as a, an encouragement for um, thanking God at some point throughout your life. You know, I've had a blessed life and I just thank God for that. We hear sports guys say that all the time. But there's that idea that 
we are to live that life so that people can see Jesus in us. And hopefully they will based on our reactions to good and to bad. When we love our enemies, we show them the love that God had for all of us when he sent his son to save us. And Romans 5, chapter 5 says, uh, verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some, some uh, translations in the earlier verses of this actually talk about the, the fact that we were enemies with God while we were yet sinners, while we were still warring against him is some of the translations that you'll read in, in Romans chapter 5. And it's this idea that we are shown the love of God first. Like he is not expecting us to do anything that he didn't already do when he says, love your enemies. Because all of us were enemies with God. And yet he sent his son to die for us. And, and that's something that is so counter what goes on in our head because even Romans 5 addresses it where, where this idea of for, for scarcely or rarely would a, would a, would a, for a righteous man, would someone dare to die? So like a good man, most of us still wouldn't give our lives for that man, even though he's a good guy because we, we don't have that connection with him. And yet Jesus did it while we were still sinning against him, while we were still at war against him. And so he's loving us first. He's loving us and showing us that sacrificial love that we are to have in that moment. And so we need to understand that God uses these things. God shows us that he loves us. We then hopefully come to the cross and admit and repent of our sins. And we pick up our cross and follow him. And that gives us an opportunity to be like him and sacrifice, sacrificially love others and putting others before ourselves. And that leads us to this last verse in, in this passage. This, this verse 36 in Luke chapter 6. He says, Therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. This is a, this is a practical way that we're, we are to act towards not only people that we get along with, but also people that we are enemies with. Like this whole section deals with the practicality of turning the other cheek, giving your coat if somebody takes, and the, the implication there is if somebody robs you of your shirt, you're to give them your coat as well. And so it deals with this practicality. And, and yet at the end here, we have this idea of mercy, what mercy means, <coughs> excuse me. And, and I think that we need to take a second and define it pretty clearly or as clearly as, as I hope to define it. So mercy in its most basic sense is not receiving a punishment for something that deserves a punishment. So if we, if we imagine, we'll use the idea of a teenager that's coming home late uh, past curfew and, and there's, there would be a punishment. There's a consequence for coming home late past your curfew, right? Mercy is the idea that you deserve this punishment, but you're not going to get it. You deserve, you have a consequence for being late, but you are not, that consequence is not going to be enacted on you. And so that's the idea of mercy. So not get what, not getting what you deserve. We're shown mercy from God when we are, once we are covered by Jesus's blood, because we do not get what we deserve, which is that eternal punishment in hell. You see, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin has condemned us to an eternity of punishment. And so we all have earned that. And yet God in his mercy 
has decided to not give us that punishment through, his, through, through the blood of his son, Jesus. But he is, we are not going to get what we deserve if we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And, and to add the, the finalized definition, and many of you guys probably understand this, but, but just a quick note, grace is the idea of getting what you don't deserve. And so like you, with mercy, you're not getting what you do deserve and grace, you're getting what you actually don't deserve. And so we experience God's grace in not only, uh, not only not receiving the punishment that we do deserve through mercy, but we experience his gift of eternal life and blessing with him. And that is grace. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We, in fact, we've actively gone against it. And yet he gives it to us. And so we are told by Jesus that we are to show mercy to our enemies, even those who actively hate us, just as he has shown us mercy. We are to to turn the other cheek. We are to not, like I said, we aren't getting back at them. If, If they, you know, there's that idea of if they send one of ours to the hospital, we'll send one of theirs to the morgue. We don't do that as Christians. We, we love them regardless of what they're doing to us. And that's, that's a, I would say, a very divine kind of love, not a human emotional love. I do not believe that I can produce that kind of love because my flesh is so self-preserving that if people hurt me or emotionally hurt me or physically hurt me, whatever it may be, my flesh desires to either lash out at them or go into a depression, or whatever, whereas God is telling us, I want you to love them, and I don't believe it's without His Spirit in me, I, I know for me anyway, it is impossible for me to do that without His help. This is absolutely a difficult concept, but it is necessary for us to be imitators of Christ. We have to understand that this is something that it's not a suggestion from Jesus. It's not uh, try as hard as you can, do as good as you can, and and we'll get you there. No, it's a, a love your enemies, full stop. End of discussion. Love your enemies because I loved you. As, as, I, as we talked about in Romans, there's that idea of, of while, I, while you guys were still warring with me, I loved you, and so therefore I expect you to love others. And then that gives us, again, the the full conclusion of why we do this. Christ is certainly our perfect example on how to love our enemies, how to interact with them. Paul, Stephen, even David, uh, you know, as, as crazy as some of the Psalms can be, even David, these guys are excellent examples of how to love our enemies, how to show grace and mercy to our enemies. Most of us don't really face enemies that are going to kill us on a daily basis or a weekly basis. In fact, many of us will never experience a a life where our life is actually threatened by someone who is willing to physically harm us based on our belief systems. But what we do deal with, uh, we we have to operate in a world that is increasing its hatred of the Christian worldview. We're, we're going to have to learn how to love the world through that. Watch the news for 10 minutes, and it's very evident that Christians are the enemy of this world. Because the world wants to 
be given up to its lusts and its, and its pleasures. And, and I believe that the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, is going to be more and more attacked because it does not allow for us to just live and do and say whatever we want to live and do and say. And so we are becoming the enemy. We are, we are the hated people. And so we're going to have to learn how to love these people who come against us so strongly, how to love them the way that Christ expects us to love them, how to love them the way that he's talking about here, that self-sacrificing love. And granted, while we desire the best life for them, that does not mean, I, I, I want to be clear on this, it does not mean that we condone sin, that, that, we, that we try and make sin okay or that we try and excuse sin in someone's life. We don't do that. That's just, that's a, that's a given. Like we are not going to call sin good. It's just not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't hope that that person still, you know, comes to Jesus. Again, that eternal life in Christ. And that, that they are able to experience the love that not only do we show, but the love that God gives. The love that we show is, is for a very specific purpose. We love them, we love the world, though they hate us, not only to be obedient and to be blessed by God because we are commanded to do so. Again, there's that idea of grinning and bearing it. It's not only because of that. It's, it's also we love them so that they might come to Jesus and repent and believe in him. We love them so that, like Paul says, that we're able to heap burning coals on their head. And the idea is not to... Many people will say, like, ha-ha, gotcha, burning coals on your head. That's not the idea here. The idea here is that those burning coals are conviction, that they, that they spur them to the foot of the cross. The love that we show comes from him, and its purpose is to help people, help to lead people to the foot of the cross. It's to, to spur them on in a life of, that's different. That's, that's so countercultural. That's so f- counter-flesh. Like it's not how we are born to think and operate. That we all might be, that we all might better understand grace and mercy and that we would submit our lives to Jesus Christ and his will for us in the glorification of him. This is the purpose of that love. This is the purpose of why we love each other as Christian brothers and sisters. And this is the purpose of why we love the world as well. We aren't to hate the world. We are to hate, sir, the sin we don't like in the world, but we don't hate the people. We do not hate people. That's not what we have been called to be. So show the love of Christ by not getting into arguments about politics and opinions on certain things and, dare I say, COVID-19 opinions and things like that. We don't get into those arguments. We show the love of Christ by actively rooting for your enemies to find that best life possible, which is life in Christ. We root for them to find life in Christ and whatever God's tool is to get them there, it may be a lot of success. It may be getting to the end of their barrel and the bottom of the barrel for them. It may be you just showing them that you care and that you don't desire them to be trampled underfoot. Show the love of Christ by rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, regardless of their stances on hot button issues. Again, we don't call sin good. That's not what I'm saying here. 
What I'm saying here, though, is we are able to come alongside of people and weep with them when tragedy strikes. We are also able to come alongside of people and rejoice with them when blessing comes down. And we know, as Christians, that all blessings come from God, sinner or saved person alike. Show the love of Christ by following Christ's example. Lord, we thank you so much for today. I thank you that your word speaks very clearly and very directly to issues that, that are of the heart. Lord, I pray that we would change our heart and that we would start, if we haven't already, that we would start to love people and love our enemies and love people who would do us harm. Lord, in a way that you would be blessed and that you would be able to lead them to you. Lord, that we would be able to be the instrument with which these people are able to see clearly how much you have loved.